oracle herself stepped from the darkness into the doorway. Usually fat, she was wrapped in a peplos of livid green that seemed to glow with its own light against the dark interior behind her. Her meaty fingers twitched the paper out of the king's hand. She opened it, and without reading it, without even looking at it, she tore it in half. Still cold, she handed one half back to the king. Eugenides looked down at the paper in his hand. The men behind him craned to see it. There was nothing left but the signature of the king, written left-handed in square letters, Atolus, at the bottom of the page. Your answer, said the priestess. What is this, some kind of destiny? I wanted fries. This is the worst Wendy's ever. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to get you through the wait for Return of the Thief, which is in only 268 days. It's December 1st, 2019. Today's order of business, The King of Atolia, Chapter 6. It's way shorter than Chapter 5. In this one, Costas feels guilty over nothing, Jen gets some bad homework from God, and everybody just really misses their mom. So this chapter starts out with Costas talking to Eris and trying to work through the mess that he's gotten himself into, which really doesn't seem like that much of a mess. Like, Costas is getting very worked up over the fact that he told two people (laughs) that the king sits in a chair. It's like, it has to be important. My favorite thing in this scene, besides Eris just sitting there going, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Okay, Costas, is the line, I sound like a sanctimonious old philosopher, but I can't stand by and watch people get murdered. What kind of society do you live in that the standard (laughs) for ethics is so low that saying maybe you shouldn't let people get murdered makes you sound like a sanctimonious old philosopher? (laughs) Somebody's like, maybe killing people is bad. People are like, oh, slow down, (laughs) Plato. And Costas doesn't want to admit that he would care if Jen dies. Mm -hmm. He has to say, oh, you know, it's just the concept in general. I can't let it have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. I can't have it on my conscience that maybe something was my fault. If anybody gets hurt... I don't have any sort of feeling, any sort of way about the king of Atolia, who's a big doo-doo head. He says all of these, all of these sneaky people make his family eat, look easy to get along with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in the fact that Costas doesn't get along with his family. Because mm-hmm. for one thing, it is a similarity with Jen. Like Costas doesn't like his cousins either. Makes you wonder, because Costas seems like a pretty... Like, easygoing person who, if you knew him in real life, uh, you know, you can't really picture him starting fights. Yeah, I can't really picture having beef. Like, arguments. I mean, you can, I mean, you can picture him starting plenty of fights (laughs) with swords and lions, but not arguments. And the first instance of Eugenides being called Atolus is in this chapter and what we just read out. 
And I remember reading this for the first time and being like, wait a minute, there's a male version of Atolia? <laughs> like, what is this backwardness? And kind of thinking, oh, Atolis, right. Sunius, Edis. Wait a minute, why is Edis not called Adia? Mm. Mm. Seems like we'll hear more on that yes. later. But people still call the country Atolia, and they'll continue to do so. <laughs> which we were talking about in, I think, our first King of Atolia episode, mm-hmm. that it's everybody's just stubborn. Yeah. They don't want to change. And also, like, Atolia, the person, Irene, is still the, the heart of yeah, the, the, country. the country. And, like, she's the one who put in all the work. Yeah. He's just kind of <laughs> coming in at the 11th hour. <laughs> it was a group project, and she did everything. <laughs> He just wrote his name on the top. Cleaned up some stuff at the end. Did some quick copy edits. Yeah, what did the note say? Tell me I don't need to be king. What did what the wrote. note say? How long was it? Yeah. Also, he signed it like the goddess isn't going to know who it's from. <laughs> He's really not having too much luck contacting the gods recently. No. You know, Havestia smashed windows and answer. And, like, the whole thing he should have taken out of the smashed windows incident is uh don't overstep by questioning us <laughs> <laughs> now he's questioning again and i i was i've just assumed that's why the priestess was so cold about it like stop bothering us <laughs> and stop whining hephaestia's phone is on silent <laughs> she's getting a massage maybe the note said do you like me check one yes also yes <laughs> I mean, maybe it was a, a general just tell me what to do, hoping that they would say something other than be king. Yeah. And it's an identity. Mm-hmm. Like, they right. give him a name that was not the one that he wanted. We need to say that the oracle knows, like, she already knows exactly what's on the paper when he walks up. Mm-hmm. Opens it, tears it in half without even looking, and knows she's giving him the right half back. Like, that is... Second sight, guys. <laughs> I love this oracle. She's extremely fat and she's wearing neon green. Yes. That's, it sounds like someone I'd like to hang out with. <laughs> I wonder what her life is like. Yeah, someone else, another woman in the series who is, I would assume, exempt from patriarchal bullshit. Yeah, and how do you, said she's like how do you get that job? Now? Yeah. Uh, How do I apply for that? A god whispers in your ear, (laughs) and then you tell people, hey, I'm in charge now. (laughs) Like, is it like you become a priestess, like you enter the order, and then you are trained to be the oracle? Or is it that you, like, have the magic gift from birth? I would think you have the magic gift from birth, like... And then your parents, like, drop you off at the temple. I think the gods and be like, I'm sending you visions, what i would think it's interesting that thinking about how this is a world where people generally don't believe in the gods that strongly but this oracle is definitely 100 percent right yeah and has she been right the entire time that she's been the oracle and have other oracles always been right or is this like have the gods now returned and this is maybe new Mm -hmm. yeah somewhere in here it's talking about... Oh, no. Okay, I remember. It's in Conspiracy of Kings. I'm getting too far ahead. Um, I was looking for... Uh, in Conspiracy of Kings, when it's talking about the high priestess who's, like, doing a blessing over everyone leaving, it says, like, she had... 
she's come up really high because she was in obscurity before mm-hmm. like eugenides came and built a temple for her and now she's now the high priestess who has a bunch of power but hasn't let it corrupt her but that's not the oracle we're right. talking about i thought that paragraph was somewhere in this scene describing the oracle but that's not it it seems like there are only priestesses no priests yeah has there ever been a mention of a priest i don't think so no not if Avestia. So is religion in general more of the domain of women? I guess we haven't seen, like, we haven't seen anything that's in a temple for a god as opposed to a goddess. So maybe there are priests there. Do you remember in The Thief, um, it's mentioned that the Magus' predecessor drugged the high priest of Edith? The high priest, right. And actually, in this chapter... Jen tells Costas to dedicate the coin and says there's probably some priest or god who would appreciate its value. Mm -hmm. So there are priests. Yeah. I wonder... I don't know if it's... I mean, it might make sense for Hephaestia to be served by only priestesses since she's a a goddess and not a god, but in that story of Hespira, Hespira's mother is a priestess of a god. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's not always as cut and dried as... Yeah, it depends on for gender. on the god. Jen is very upset after he gets this news that he already knew about, and he leaps across a construction ditch, and everyone has to follow him, uh, which is a silly image, but also it's another example of Jen has this kind of physical prowess that nobody notices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how big this ditch is. He's but... just too mad to hide anymore. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't get... He doesn't bother with getting lost on the way back to his apartments this time. He just goes right there because yeah. he's too mad. I know that when I'm angry, my long jump increases by <laughs> <laughs> at least Fueled five feet. by the emotion. Ugh, and then Costas deliberates with himself on, oh, it's the right thing to do to tell the king, but then he'll get exiled to some penal colony in Thracia, and we don't know where Thracia is, but it must be pretty far away. And- <laughs> Beast Island. He's so good, Costas. Yeah, he wants his self-respect too much. He has too much morals, too much. And it's such uh. a nice contrast yeah. with Jen, who's so goal-driven. Mm. And Costas, he doesn't really have any sort of goal in this book. He's just he's, taking it day by day. He's only value-driven. <laughs> he's really trying to do the right thing. Ugh, and he sees the king crying. And then on his way back, he looks out the same window view and on his way back, he looks out a window that faces the same direction and realizes it's pointing towards Edis. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jen picked those apartments, because it faces Edis. And uh, Costas remembered homesickness too well not to recognize it in the king's face when he saw him so hopelessly looking out the window. What must it be like to know that you couldn't ever go home? Yeah. And we had talked about, did where Costas is from influence Jen's choice of him since Costas is from the same place as um, Talaeus. Mm-hmm. But also, it might just be that Costas is also somebody who's far from home. Yeah. And maybe some of the other people in the guard are from the city of Atolia or from uh, somewhere more nearby. Costas got a coin from Baron Susa when he gave him the information about Jen sitting in the chair, that vital, vital information, which I thought was really interesting because Susa gave Costas a coin for that information in the same way that Costas gives the valet a tip for uh, 
helping him with his clothes. Like, it's a tip. And that kind of, like, casual, class-driven power interaction. Mm. It's so, um, it just, it seems really condescending to me. Yeah, and the difference is, you know, with Costas in the valet, the tip is just a ritual gesture, it says, and the valet, like, waves it away and Costas keeps it. It's, yeah. it's just a, like, thank you for helping me, but they're more on a on an equal plane. Yeah. And coins have a lot of, um, like, symbolic and, like, cultural religious value in mm-hmm. addition to their actual value. And so, like, the interactions that people have around, like, a single coin have a lot of weight. And Costas gives the coin to Jen, saying, I don't want it. And he says, um, I don't want it. I didn't do it for money. I didn't mean to do it at all. Which I love because it sounds almost like something Jen would be able to say about being king. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want it. I sort of did it by accident. (laughs) He didn't do it for the glory or the power or anything else that these people are presuming are like these are all the windfalls of the position yeah and so costas in telling the truth about himself accidentally stumbles on the truth about jen they're they're two such different men but they connect so much and they have really unexpected similarities and this scene here is when jen realizes how you know costas is in costas is now like a target for people like Souza and potentially others who have realized or who have who think that costas is a favorite of jen's now because mm-hmm. of those secret wink 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 <laughs> um so jen is realizing now that he says you know i've put you in an impossible situation yeah. you can go and like dismisses him and Costas is not expecting Jen to apologize to him. Mm-hmm. That's not done. And it makes him feel a lot worse. Because <laughs> Otolia would never apologize to anyone mm-hmm. for anything. We haven't even seen her apologize to Jen. Because it's an admission of vulnerability. And Costas is disappointed that he's been dismissed. You know, he feels bad about it. He doesn't want to leave. So this chapter is really the pivot point where he sees Jen as a real person with real emotions that he can empathize with. And he's in a a bad situation and now Costas can't help anymore. Yeah. I want... I want Irene to have this same experience. And I know that maybe she sort of had it with Jen. But... You mean, like, a friend? <laughs> a friend, like, yeah. <laughs> I want Irene to have a friend. <laughs> yeah. And, and she becomes friends with Helen, but you don't really see it. Yeah. That's not on screen as much. And, I mean, I guess we do see more of it with uh, Relius later in the book. Yeah. They have an interesting relationship. I'm excited to get there. Yeah. So I guess that moves more towards friendship. Mm-hmm later there's a point to be made about how women's relationships with each other happen mostly off stage mm-hmm. and we see a lot about men's relationships goal number one for 
Return of the Thief. <laughs> Please. No, it's not my number one, but it's my number three. You know, There's, a big one. There's so much to There's accomplish in this one book. <gasps> Ornon is also in here, but right. only for like a sentence. Yeah. It starts a paragraph with Ornon also waited and worried and then saying like, Relius had fallen, the archives were in disarray, Jen is distancing himself from the court and the parents, he barely and speaks not, to the queen right, in public Right, he's not anymore. talking to her in public. That's Although odd. he still kisses her at breakfast every day, Yeah, is told. They're really, like, they're doubling down on the inaccessibility of their relationship right now. Mm. And I wonder why that is. Because yeah. they're about to have that wall come down Mm -hmm. we're about to have the assassination attempt we're about to have the kiss yeah and so like what's the point i'm asking myself again of the you know the screens around their relationship like relius has just fallen so like maybe this is something i don't like i don't understand really and and maybe like irene is kind of uh, ignoring him in public because because yeah, you know <laughs> she's annoyed <laughs> i would think you know she's such a private person that you know to be vulnerable and showing that she loves someone is to make that a target yeah you know she doesn't want to let people know that she does love him because you know they'll try to hurt her through him or vice versa or whatever you know yeah and to i have think other people know is to have them comment and she i don't know act on that knowledge i think she does a thing where like if you're trying to get somebody to say something and so you don't say anything so somebody has to say something like she wants him to start acting on the public stage and so like she's not gonna step in and do anything for him Mm. But he's also refusing to do anything. Mm-hmm. So they just end up, neither of them does like anything. A game of chicken. With it is nothing. a game of chicken. We're getting, this book is kind of a, a movement from uh, being very distanced from Jen to getting closer and closer to him mm-hmm. until we're nearly as close to him. As we were in the first two books. And it is a turning point because Costas sees him in this private moment and sees him crying even though he turns away and then turns back and it's like he was never crying at all. I can't let my favorite soldier catch me crying with my knees curled up to my chest sitting in my chair looking out the window. It's very uh, childlike and we're reminded that Jen is very young. He's a boy king. That's chapter six. Next time, knives are out. Send us your comments, questions, and thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts.